G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. Over this next hour, some more stories like the one we're going to hear now from Stacey. And Stacey's sitting with me as I'm at the Natural Disaster Relief Unit here in Batemans Bay. Uh, Stacey lives just nearby. Let's get a few details. Uh, Stacey Tabor, a special welcome along, Stacey. Uh, thank you very much, Neil. Stacey, home for you. How far away from Batemans Bay? Or, uh, which is, it's, Mogo's about 10, 10, 10 minutes, minutes south. 10 minutes south, yes. And we're about um, one kilometre as the crow flies from Mogo. So we're on Duns Creek Road, which is just between Surf Beach and Tomakin. Well, take us back and uh, relive some of the story that you have because uh, there have been a number of bushfires, as I've been saying about Batemans Bay, mm. uh, relentlessly bushfires coming and then coming again and then coming again and you had a significant uh, issue with two bushfires in, uh, near your home. Yes. Um, well, actually, just prior to the bushfires at our home, we had to evacuate our daughter from South Darras. So she was living up there and so... It just came so quickly that we had to rush up and pass the fireman to get in, grab a few of her essential things, some furniture and whatever to, you know, allow her to escape. That was maybe, what, two weeks before or something like that. And then um, we knew of the fires sort of in the outer area around Nelligan and places like that, which was still quite away from where we were. And um, what happened was that overnight a little finger of fire decided to separate from the major fire and come directly towards um, Batemans Bay and Mogo. And um, so overnight we were quite unaware of the whole situation and we were woken at 6 o'clock in the morning, thank thank God, by um, a a warning call that came through on our home phone, um, went to our answering machine and woke us up saying, evacuate now, you're in serious danger, you know, a fire is, you know, upon you and whatever. So I'm so thankful to the RFS or whoever, I'm not quite sure who it was that sent that call, but it was a really important call because we might have still been sleeping till 8 o'clock that morning and not been aware at all of the danger that we were in. So could you see the fire coming in the distance? Could you smell the fire coming in the distance, the smoke impact? Uh, what sort of things were you seeing when you decided to get out of bed quickly? And yes. Let's go and check to see if everything's all right. <laughs> well, at that stage, it was just thick smoke. You knew that there was a big fire somewhere. You couldn't see anything. So my um, my job was to quickly gather you know, all of our valuable things together and, and spare, spare clothes and whatever. And at the same time, my husband was blocking the gutters and filling them with water and water down the whole house and all of that sort of thing so at about 8.30 in the morning I'd already packed the car and then I left to go to Maruya which is about another 20 minutes south to go and make sure that mum was okay and my husband stayed on till about 11 o'clock. Now you know well before 11 the power went out which means you can't use your hose so that's the end of the pump to the water Um, so he was just bucketing water onto the house and then by the time it got to around 11 
he realised he couldn't stay near the house any longer. The fire was heading straight towards it and it was literally burning him. So as he went to go to the car, police called in and said, basically, get out now, otherwise your life's in danger, because another front was actually coming from a different angle straight across from Mogo, and they were both going to be hitting around our home. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So it wasn't bushfire coming from one direction. No. You were actually warned, get yes. out now, because you've got two bushfires, basically, yes. that are going to be confronting your home. That's exactly right. So we couldn't we couldn't head back towards the bay because the original fire had come along Duns Creek Road from that angle, and so we had to go down um, south, basically, and there was only one way out. So um, that's the way Adrian headed. But he did stop and have a look, you know, at the end of our road just to see how what was happening. And he said when he turned back, there were 70 metre flames and it looked like they were engulfing our home and everything else there. So at that stage, he felt that we'd pretty much lost everything, that nothing could have survived that fire. Uh, let us in on that moment, because as you look back mm. and... The good news in all of this is that your home survived, mm. but you lost some outbuildings and workshops and things like that. But yes. but, uh, but in that moment, when you mm. think you have lost everything, you're looking back over your shoulder and you're seeing the flames engulfing things all around your home. Yes. Uh, you and your husband, I, I imagine there's a sort of a quiet embrace. <laughs> I don't know. You well, might, don't take me, us in here. This might not have been like no, that at all. For me, I was already in Maria, so I was actually on the sunny side of the river <laughs> looking, looking across up to towards our home and it was just enormous billowing black like um, smoke with huge flames coming through the base of them so right up way into the sky as high as you could see was just billowing black smoke so at that stage we'd had we'd lost all phone um, contact with Adrian so it had been about at least say two and a half hours we hadn't been able to get in contact with him we had no idea how he was so he was just in our prayers at that stage we were just hoping that he was able to get out from adrian's perspective um, he had the camper trailer hooked up he knew that i'd thrown a few precious things in and he said there wasn't time to even digest what had happened so when he saw it and he thought yep we've lost everything um he said you sort of you can't really think clearly you he just came down, met me, and we just sort of sat in silence for a little while and thought, thank goodness we're all alive. We can replace the rest. How long before you were able to, you know, tentatively drive back up the driveway okay. to where you can see <laughs> your home? Mm. Uh, take us back to how you were feeling then because... Uh, I've already mentioned it's a good news story, but yes. uh, when you're driving up the driveway, not expecting to see your home there, mm. and your home is still intact. Well, what actually happened was for five hours, we we believed everything was gone. So because we were down in Maruya and we knew all the roads had been blocked to get back, um, we didn't think that we there was any need to go back because we'd lost everything. But then about five hours later, one of our neighbours who had ducked back in under the power lines and everything um, put their fires out and then came around and, and was graciously putting out other people's fires and then his wife contacted us and said um, you won't believe this but we think your house and your work shed is still there and saved and it, it's at that point where I actually responded and that's when I burst into tears with thankfulness and so we just immediately jumped in the car drove straight back went through all the blocks which we probably shouldn't have but we drove 
through all the blocks over and under power lines, got to our house. The fence post was still on fire. The entry gate was on fire. Down near towards the workshed was on fire. Our front veranda was on fire. Uh, but we, we had some water around so that we could rush around and put that out. And then for the next five days, that was our job. Everything just kept reigniting. But thank you to all of our wonderful neighbours. Well, you know, oftentimes we think, thank God for Mm. the firefighters, Mm. emergency services Mm. who are doing a wonderful job and they Mm. deserve every honour. What absolute heroes in Australian society those firefighters are. But you've mentioned something that we don't often give uh, an honour to, and that is those neighbours who are looking after one another and their house was then okay, safe, then looking over the fence and seeing your home and mm. going over next door to try and help save your home. Absolutely. I mean, what an amazing... You've got a bond with those neighbours, haven't you, for Absolutely. life now? Absolutely. Yes, we're <laughs> so thankful to them. And um, the thing was, there weren't any um, firemen around or anything like that. When the blaze came through, nothing was going to stop it. It was too dangerous for anybody to be there. So there was... We, we didn't see any sign of fire trucks or whatever, I think... They were probably based in, I really, I don't know where they were based, but nothing was going to stop this fire. So um, when the neighbours did duck back quickly like that, you know, had they not done that, our house and my workshed would be burnt down. So your house survives, yes, uh, but you did lose water tanks, you lost your gardens. Yes. Uh, there were some other outbuildings that you also lost, and, and it could have been a whole lot worse for you, but you've still lost things and as yes. you said uh, mm. when you got home your your veranda was on fire yes. so you had to put that fire out so there's still a certain amount of crisis that you've gone through yes and uh, there's some level of trauma attached to that yes let me ask you about these wonderful people from Samaritan's Purse because you initially didn't think you needed any help no <laughs> um, how did they contact contacted you or how did you get in touch with them well actually one of our neighbours, they were fortunate enough not to lose very much at all. And um, the, they had some brochures dropped off from Samaritan Purse people there. And they, knowing that we'd lost a fair bit, they came across with the brochure and asked us, were we interested? So that, it took me probably about two, another two weeks before I actually made the phone call. Because initially you think, you know, you're a farming type person. You like to do things yourself. But after about two weeks from receiving that brochure I realised my husband and I had hit the wall (laughs) emotionally and physically and we realised this job is just way too big for us so that's when I reached out to Samaritan Purse and they were just wonderful. You know we had the privilege of being with some of the teams yesterday morning before they were deployed to various properties around this region here uh, what was your experience when a team arrived and you know they've got their orange shirts on and it's Samaritan's person they've arrived there to help and uh, what do you, what's your immediate reaction well um, for me I was just as happy as Larry to see them <laughs> because many hands make light work and everybody there had a heart to come and help and so I knew that they were prepared to do whatever they could do you know to help Adrian and myself so I was I was over the moon and you know they were lovely friendly people um they weren't they were hard working um you know we we'd sit down and have morning tea together lunch together afternoon tea together so we had an opportunity to to talk and to fellowship and everything so that was lovely and um the amount of work that that team got done on our property would have taken Adrian and I months and months and months to to achieve 
So I, I can't speak more highly of them. Well, there's a great tick, isn't it? Tick yeah. that box. These guys work hard when they Absolutely. come and they, And <laughs> you know what? They're volunteer workers. Yes. And some of those coming from different places around the world even. Yes. Because they know there's a crisis and a disaster here and they're here to just sort of sow in some love from their lives into the lives of people. Uh, let me just quickly ask you, because I know you go along to a local church. Yes. You are a woman of faith. Yes. What does it do for your faith when you know you're under threat? When you think that you've lost everything, mm. when you realize that your house was spared, but maybe mm. your neighbors lost their house, mm. how do you feel? What does it do for your faith in that circumstance? Mm. Well, in all honesty, we had our camper trailer hooked up, so I knew that we would have something to live in, you know, for the next six or 12 months. So in that regard, I felt quite, uh, you know, confident that that would be okay. Um, as far as my faith goes, um, at the time when we, when Adrian said we've lost everything, I, my first thought was, well, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Praise be to God. Yeah. Um, he knows what he's doing and who am I to question that? And we, I knew we had enough to be able to be comfortable and survive and I had my mother's house to um, go to and lots of friends and whatever. So I wasn't really upset or worried at that point, but then... I don't know, was I in shock as well? I'm not sure. But um, no, I felt quite good. It, when we received the phone call and they said the house and the shed was saved and I burst into tears, that was just gratefulness to God. The mercy and the grace of God to have saved our house. Adrian said it was a miracle. Nothing could have survived those 70-metre flames. He said it was an inferno, and yet somehow our house did. So then I was just praising the Lord how wonderful he was to be so you know, merciful to us. And then, of course, the last thing he finished was um, directly across the road from us is a lovely, lovely lady, and she lost everything. Right next to us is another lovely lady. She lost everything. And then just across the paddock on our other side were numerous neighbours who lost everything. And I mean property after property after property on the north side were virtually wiped out. So there is um, a level of, um, not guilt, but feeling a little bit, oh, well, we've still got ours and you haven't, and it's like, what can we do? It's, it's a bit of a... A, f a funny position to be in because you know somebody's lost everything so it doesn't give you a right to complain in any way because you haven't lost everything and yet when you look around there's so much work to be done that's overwhelming but you don't want to share that overwhelmingness because you've got your home still, if that makes sense. It makes sense, doesn't it? And mm. knowing the good work of Samaritan's Purse, yes. who deploy chaplains yes. into the field, yes, uh, so that those who have lost everything mm. can be comforted in a way that they need to be comforted. Yes. For those who haven't lost everything, and uh, I think we even heard some terminology a little bit earlier, uh, like a survivor's guilt. Yes. Uh, you can be feeling guilty because your home survived and someone else's didn't. Yes. And I love your attitude, though. Uh, the Lord giveth and the Lord mm. taketh away, blessed yeah. be the name of the Lord. Yes. And there is a certain sense in which it's our identity in Christ mm. that makes us strong to be able to face the circumstances. Yes. And uh, I can see that strength in you, <laughs> and uh, I can see that your neighbours are going to be blessed by having you as a neighbour because no doubt there's tough times ahead for your neighbours, and I hope yes. there's a little bit of community camaraderie in your community. Yeah, absolutely. The, the, we've um, already lined up with a couple of the other neighbours to help one of our other 
neighbours <laughs> who was a single lady to help her on her property because she doesn't have the help to, to do that. So um, it wasn't something that fitted into the Samaritan Purse bracket. It was things down in her paddock that, that required fencing and whatever. And so we'll be going up to help her in the next um, week or so. Wow. Mm. Well, Stacey Tabor, thank you so much for taking some time to share your story. It's been a real blessing. And, uh, you know, God's richest blessing on you and your husband and your you. daughter, I think it was your daughter. Two, you two, two, daughters. two daughters. One's in Wollongong and yep. one's in New Zealand at the moment. So I hope she's being safe. <laughs> well, you know, something else I can hear yeah. in you is yes. an optimism for the future. Oh, absolutely. And I suspect that even if we were sitting here and you'd said we did lose everything, that yes. that optimism is there because you have a higher hope. You have faith in God and he's the one who's got your life in his hands. That's so, right. Stacy, thank you so much for being part of 2020 today. Thank you for having me, Neil. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.